today we're going to conclude our, uh, our series on the family, and we're going to finish off with some very clear and very practical teaching from the Apostle Paul from the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and head over to Ephesians chapter 6, which if you had your bookmark in your Bible from last week, it'll be uh, right around the same area. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 1. And today I want to look at God's plan for children and parents. Now we've talked about God's plan for marriage and for singleness and husbands and wives. And so today we're going to finish up by talking about the relationship between kids and their parents. Now, as you know, I've worked in education for a long time. I think I'm going on my 12th year now. And I've dealt with hundreds or probably thousands of kids. And I've noticed just in the... uh, I guess relatively short time that I've been working there, um, there's been a change in kids. And probably if you've dealt with children, you've, you've probably noticed uh, a change as well. And I've noticed two main things about them. The first is I've noticed an increasing uh, lack of respect for, for those in authority. Instead of recognizing that parents and teachers and principals and police officers and all those people who have a rightful authority over them, uh, instead of recognizing that, a lot of, uh, a lot of kids... For some reason, even though, even the real little ones think that they are in charge. And what blows my mind is that many parents go along with that crazy notion that the kids are running the show. Uh, Edward VIII, one of the, he was at one time the king of the United Kingdom, uttered these famous words about America. He said, quote, The thing that impresses me most about America is the way parents obey their children. End quote. And sadly, that's an, that's an accurate observation many times. The other thing I've noticed uh, about, about kids is an increasing sense of entitlement. And what I mean by that is, is uh, a lot of children, and I know I'm painting with a broad brush, this doesn't include everybody, but, but by and large I've noticed that a lot of kids seem to think that they are owed something simply because they exist on the face of the earth. Have you ever noticed that? If you take a kid to the store, they think they're owed a, a toy. If you uh, go to town to to get groceries or whatever it is, they think they're owed a meal at a restaurant. They think they're owed a car when they turn 16. They're owed a new phone or an iPad or a game console. They're owed this, that, and the other. And we as adults, they think, owe them something simply because they grace us with their presence. And and again, I I know I'm painting with a broad brush that, that doesn't include everybody, but I want to tell you that's not the way God has set things up. And And I... Uh, I realize that we have reality and we have God's ideal and those two things don't match up right now. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and see what God has ordained for the family relationship between children and parents. Now I mentioned this, uh, I think it was last week, that Paul's teaching in this section is really, uh, was really revolutionary at its time. And that, that was the case here because at, at the time that Paul wrote this, Children have very few, if any, rights. Now today, what do we hear? Well, do it for the kids. Do it for the kids. What, put, put the kids first, and, and their welfare is always appealed to. But that wasn't the case in Paul's day. And so this instruction here, uh, remember, the, the parents, the, the father especially, had absolute legal control and authority over the whole family. And so when Paul, in just a little bit, he's going to say, uh, guys, you need to be careful how you parent because the way it's going to affect your kids that was unheard of at the time of his writing. Okay, it was, it was light years ahead of its time. So anyway, if, if you found Ephesians 6, please stand with me in honor of God's word. And we're going to pick up reading in verse 1, and we'll just read a few verses. 
He says, children, so he, this, is a, this is a letter that was supposed to be read in church, and he figured there were going to be kids there. So, kids, this is for you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, I, it start, if you'll notice, whenever we read this, there are two commands to kids, two, two commands to parents. The first, if you'll notice, is in verse 1, and he says, children, obey your parents. Now, that is a simple commandment, isn't it? It's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. And those of us who are adults, we can remember back, maybe we can remember back when we were kids, and those of us who are still kids, you know that this is not necessarily an easy command to follow because sometimes we don't understand why mom and dad's giving us the directions they are. I remember back when I was a kid, mom and dad told me to do such and such a thing, and sometimes I was like, that doesn't make any sense. You all don't know what you're talking about. And, uh, but the command is still the same, and that's to obey our parents. Now, who are the children that's, that's being referred to here? Because sometimes we in, in, in the Christian faith, we want to look at this and we want to make all the Bible apply to us. And we as adults look at this and say, well, do I need to be obeying mom and dad still? Even though I'm out on my own, how's this work? We'll address that in, in just a moment. But who are, these, who are children that's mentioned in verse 1? Well, the word that's, that's used in the Greek here talks about a child who has not come to age yet. Okay, so today we would define we might define it this way: if you're still living under mom and dad's roof, this applies to you. Okay, if if you are under mom and dad's roof, you go by mom and dad's rules. That's pretty simple. Obey your parents. Now, what does it mean to obey? It means you do what you're told. It means that you follow directions. Now, this is not a Christian invention. This is this is not start with Paul. This is something that that every culture has recognized, rightly so, the, and, until our, our current era, I guess. But all through, all through history, every culture has recognized that parents have the right of authority in the home. And look at, look at verse 1 again. Look at it very closely. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He doesn't give a big list of qualifications. Personally, when I was growing up, I would have liked it if he would have said, Children, obey your parents if you like what they told you to do. My, my room never would have gotten cleaned. I would have never gone out and, and fed the hogs or watered the cows. I wouldn't have done any of that stuff because, man, I had to do it when, when, I, when we had to water the cows. We, uh, they were back up in the woods, and, and our watering trough was an old clawfoot tub, an old cast iron thing. And for some reason, it was way out yonder, but the hydrant was way back this way. And for some reason, I don't know why, but Dad didn't think that we needed a hose that was stretched from point A to point B. He thought we needed a five-gallon bucket. And so, boy, back and forth, back and forth, carry those five-gallon buckets of water. And, you know, cows can drink really fast, and they can drink a lot. And, uh, and you know, I, I probably wouldn't have done that on those hot summer days if that's what Paul would have said to do. Obey your parents as long as you like their command. He doesn't say that. He, said, he didn't say, obey your parents when you like them. You know, sometimes we, don't, we didn't like our parents when we were growing up. We didn't like the choices they make. He, he didn't say, obey your parents when you're in the mood, or obey your parents when you don't have friends over and you have an audience. He doesn't say any of that. He gives one qualification, if you look at verse 1, and that is, in the Lord. 
Obey your parents in the Lord. What does that mean? Well, if, if you write in your Bible or on the back of your bulletin or something, you might jot down uh, Colossians 3. I believe it's uh, verse 20 or 21. Uh, you can look it up at, at a later time. But this is it's a parallel passage to what he writes in Ephesians 6. And in uh, Colossians 3, he says this, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So what's he saying in Ephesians 6? He's saying, Children, obey your parents because that makes God happy. Okay, that's real simple. If you want to make God happy, do what your mom and dad says. Why? Verse 1, because it's right. It's the right thing to do. So children, the first command is obey mom and dad. The second command, he says in verse 2, is honor your father and mother. This is quoting from the Ten Commandments. This is a very important thing to God. Honor your father and mother. Say, now, Pastor, isn't Paul just kind of repeating himself? Not really. See, there's a distinction, there's a difference here between obeying and honoring. Because to obey somebody means to follow directions that have been given. To honor means that you respect somebody. It means that you show them deference. It means that you uh, listen to their counsel. It means that you recognize that there's some wisdom there and you seek their counsel. It means that you uh, heed what they say. It means that you have a good attitude. And if you are a child still in the home, God himself calls you to do two things. Obey your parents and to honor your parents. Show them respect. Now, one way you show them respect is through obedience. Another one, you think about mouthing off, back sass. One of my friends calls it the sassy sauce. You know, but there's also a word in here for, an, for adults, too, because, again, this is sometimes uh, we want to make everything apply to us, and we say, well, how do I, how do I relate to mom and dad if, if, they're, if they're still alive? How do I relate to them? Because it says to obey, and it says to honor. What's going on? Well, the word here for us as adults is to honor our parents. Okay, We are still supposed to respect them. We're, we're supposed to uh, seek counsel from them. See, when you're out on your own, this command to obey doesn't apply because uh, you're not under their roof. And when you get to be out on your own, ultimately the buck stops with you, doesn't it? I mean, now I might, I might seek counsel from my parents. They may give me some good advice, give me bad advice. Either way, whether I take the advice or not, the responsibility ultimately falls to me. And so we should honor our parents. We should love them, respect them, so on and so forth. So how do we do that? How's that look? Well, one way is when our, our parents get to be a, a certain age where they can't care for themselves well, or maybe they're, they go through a time of sickness, uh, caring for them. Remember when you were a baby? And they cared for you all the time, didn't they? It's, it's, that, same, it's that same idea. You honor them. The rabbi, see, in the Jewish culture, honoring one's parents was seen as almost a sacred responsibility. And here's what the rabbis taught. They said, and they referred to uh, Proverbs 3, 9, which says, honor the Lord uh, from your wealth or with your wealth. And so they said this, honor the Lord with your substance or your wealth. And then they referred to the Ten Commandments, which says, honor your father and mother. And here's, what, here's the conclusion they drew. The Lord is to be honored thus if you have it, 
your father and mother whether you have it or not. For if you have nothing, you are bound to beg for them. That's how far the Jewish people went. They said, you know what? The Bible says honor the Lord from your wealth. That means you got it, give it. Honor your parents. There's no qualification there. You need to do it whether you have it or not. So anyway, look at, look at verse 2. Honor your father and mother. Or show them respect. Verse 3, there's a promise attached. And that is that it may go well with you and that you may live a long life on the earth. Now, the promise was made to people who are going to be entering the promised land. And so Paul takes this idea and he expands it out and he applies this to everybody. We're not going to go through the, to the promised land. We're not going to go into Canaan. But what he says is, generally speaking, here's a general rule. If you want to have a nice long life, honor your parents. Now, I think in, in all cultures we see long life as being a blessing, don't we? You know, at, at, when it comes to a funeral, it's, it's kind of an honor to be able to say uh, they died in old age, full of years, you know, they, they had many good years with their family, all those things. It, that's seen as a, a blessing. And what Paul is saying here is generally speaking, this is a general rule, generally applied, well, generally, this will generally be true. Generally speaking, people who honor their father and mother will experience the blessing of a long life from God. Now, this isn't, I mean, we all know people who have died young and, and they honor their father and mother. This is not, uh, this doesn't happen 100% of the time. But generally speaking, a rule of thumb is there's a blessing attached with this of a long life. So kids, obey, honor your parents. I figured I'd get some amens on that one. So anyway, now we turn to us as adults, those of us who are parents. And he says in verse, uh, verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So the first thing he says is don't provoke your children to anger. And, and you might be noticing that, especially you ladies look at verse 4 and say, Oh, it's, attached, it, it's, it's addressed to fathers. You might be thinking, ha, I'm home free. This doesn't apply to me. But this is applicable to, uh, to both fathers and mothers. It was, it was applied directly to fathers because, again, in that culture, the fathers had the, uh, they were in charge of the government of the family, I guess you'd say. And so this sister passage out of Colossians 3 again, uh, whenever it talks about fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, it says, do not exasperate your children. The word used has the idea of provoking to wrath or provoking to anger. What does that mean? Well, I like the way one commentator put it. He talked about souring their temper. Souring their temper. In other words, the way that we parent can make our kids be angry kids. Now, just because you... Now, I've, again, I've dealt with hundreds of kids in, in schools, and I've seen some kids that come in, and they're mad all the time. Just because you see a kid that's angry doesn't necessarily mean that their parents made them that way. Some people are just, that's the bent of their personality. Just like some kids are bent, have a bent to their personality of being always the optimist. You know, it doesn't matter what's happening, they can see the silver lining. Other kids have a, a bent towards sulking. And no matter what good thing happens, they can always see a cloud of, of, of some kind that's, that's bad. But what he's saying is that we can we can mold our kids' uh, personalities in the way that we parent them. Look at verse 4 again. He says, 
Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Now, how do we do that? Well, every child's different, so the way that you provoke uh, whatever child it is is going to be different between child A and child B. But some things I think that are universal are things like uh, unreasonable demands. Those of us as adults in the workplace, we know what that's like, right? The boss comes in, makes an unreasonable demand. It, it makes us mad. It, it embitters us towards them. Unreasonable demands, petty rules, a whole bunch of petty rules they have to follow, uh, being severe in punishment. And, and I think that last one is a big one. And, and this one, personally, uh, as I was studying and, and reading and praying about it, this one, this one was, was convicting towards me because I'm not abusive or anything, but I've, I've disciplined or punished out of anger when I was angry. And probably if you're a parent, you would, in an honest moment, you would say that you've done the same thing. But uh, I, I just want to, I want to read a few convicting words from a commentator. It's an old commentator, so the way that he phrases things is a little bit different. It's about two paragraphs long. But when I read what he was saying, boy, I, I just, uh, we'll just see if it does the same thing to you as it did to me. Talking about the souring of their temper, he said, It is that of souring their temper of making them feel that the parent is under the, they're under the influence of anger and that it is right for them to be so too. This is done, one, when the commands of a parent are unreasonable and severe. The spirit of a child then becomes irritated and he is discouraged, Colossians 3.21. Two, when a parent is evidently excited when he punishes a child. The child then feels that if his father is angry, it is not wrong for him to be angry, and the very fact of anger in a parent kindles anger in, in his bosom just as it does when two men are contending. If he submits in the case, it is only because the parent is the strongest, not because he is right. And the child cherishes anger while he yields to power. There is no principle of parental government more important than that a father should command his own temper when he inflicts punishment. He should punish a child not because he is angry, but because it is right. Not because it has become a matter of personal contest, but because God requires that he should do it, and the welfare of the child demands it. The moment when a child sees that a parent punishes him under the influence of anger, that moment the child will likely to be angry too, and his anger will be as proper as that of the parent. And yet, how often is punishment inflicted in this manner? And how often does the child feel that the parent punished him simply because he was the strongest, not because it was right? And this last sentence, um, again, it, it just uh, leapt off the page at me. He says, And how often is the mind of a child left with a strong conviction that wrong has been done him by the punishment which he has received rather than with repentance for the wrong that he himself has done? And I read that and I thought, boy, there have been times whenever I've been, I have been provoked to anger. And when I've punished when I've been angry, I usually go further, I'm harsher than I am whenever I'm calm. And, and what he says here is, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. You need to be careful how you discipline, how you, how you raise, how you parent your child. And the last thing he says in verse 4, instead of doing that, fathers, and again this applies to mothers as well, he says, verse 4, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
Now, when he says bring them up, it, it has the idea of nourishing. You need to nourish that child's heart and mind. It means that you teach them right from wrong and teach them things about God. And it means that, that you parent them in such a way as they meet the Lord. Now, having said all that, does this mean if you will follow these directions, 100% guarantee your child will never rebel, they'll be the, 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 the portrait, you know, the, the picture of, of a, an angelic being, a, a cherub? Is that what this is saying? No, of course not. Because you think about the parable of the prodigal son, both the one that we would consider the bad one and the good one, they both went off in the far country. One of them did it physically, but they both did it in their hearts. And they were both raised in the same home. See, the issue really is, is a heart issue. It, the issue is sin in the heart. And we see that as, as adults, don't we? That, that we go through life in, in our dealings with our spouse, with our kids, with people at work, with whoever it is, and we realize, we recognize that we don't act the way that we should all the time. We realize that we have a rebellious streak in us. We realize that some, sometimes we're stiff-necked. And there's sin in the heart. I, I once read a, um, I don't know if it was a book or an article or what it was, and something that he said, and I think it was in dealing with this, I can't even remember what the context was, but he made this statement, and it was, it was well taken. When he's talking about uh, kids and rebellion and things like that, he said, you know, the greatest example that it's not the parents' fault, essentially, is with God himself. God is the perfect heavenly father. Now, we all fall short of the example of God whenever we parent. God's the perfect heavenly father. He does everything right. And we as Christians, we as his children, still sometimes go astray. Sometimes we as Christians still go off in the far country and God still loves us. He still welcomes us back with open arms when there's repentance. But sometimes I think that, that, that we blame ourselves or we blame somebody else who's going through stuff, but realize that we, we may not have rebelled against our earthly parents, we've rebelled against our, our Heavenly Father. Parenting is not an easy thing, is it? It is tough, and I mean, and you and you don't have any idea what it's like until you get into it, and then you don't even know what you're doing, and then you have one, and and you make all the mistakes, and the second one you make those mistakes, and and so on and so forth. And by the time you get grandkids, then you've got some things figured out, and you don't have to be the disciplinarian, right? And then you can just love them and send them home whenever they get ornery and and spoil them, and it's all great. Now listen, parenting is tough. And I wish that there was a book that said, in this situation, do this. But then if the other party does this, then you do that. And I wish it was laid out like that, but it's not. But you know what? As difficult as it is, it's a great privilege and responsibility to be a parent. And... And I know that parenting, you know, uh, for a long time we didn't want to have kids. We weren't interested in it. And then we couldn't have kids when we wanted to. And I, 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 you know, I'm, not, I'm not downplaying anybody's situation. But I, I realize also that parenting's tough. And, and maybe you need to work on some part of it. Kids, 
work on obeying mom and dad. I promise nobody's parents gave me money to say that. That's what, that's what the Bible says. Obey him, honor him, respect him. Do what they ask you to do. Do what they tell you to do. Uh, parents, um, you know, Paul says some very pointed things. He says, don't, uh, don't exasperate your children. Don't provoke them to anger. Don't, don't discipline or punish them out of anger. If you have a parent that's still living, honor them, respect them. Uh, and, and again, parents, uh, try to parent wisely. Pray for your kids. Pray for those kids. Maybe you've got a kid or a grandkid that's, that is really weighing on your heart. Pray for them. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness for something. I, like I said, I read this and well, I was I was like, man, she's only five. And I've failed so many times already. I wish I'd go back and do some of those things over. But we can't. We only have one shot at it. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness for something. Well, I, I don't know where you find yourself, but whatever position it's in, um, do the things that God's laying on your heart. Don't stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just in the quiet of this time, I'd encourage you if maybe you're Maybe you're a, you're a parent and your kid is you know, the model student, the model child. They're the ones they make those bumper stickers about. You still need to pray for them. You still need to lift them up to God because uh, the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. Pray they'll have wisdom in their friends. Maybe your kid's not that perfect angel. <laughs> you need to pray for them too. Same things. Pray they'll have good, godly friends. Pray for protection. Now, we live, the world today is so much different than when any of us were kids. Maybe you're facing something and you need wisdom. The Bible says that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. He gives freely and liberally. And maybe, I know I've been talking specifically about parents and kids and all those things. But I'd be remiss if I didn't offer you salvation. And I know that any time the Word of God is preached, that the Spirit can use that to draw people to Himself. And if God's convicting you of your sin, you realize that you need a Savior, repent of your sin today. Ask God to forgive you. Ask Him to save you. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the awesome um, possibility and responsibility that uh, parenting is. And Lord, I know that there are so many different situations here um, with kids that are grown, kids that are in the uh, home, and, and, uh, and just a lot of, a lot of just all kinds of situations. God, I thank you that your word is as true for one as it is the other. And the way that that applies is going to look different in each situation. But God, we pray that you help us all to have wisdom to know what to do. Maybe our kids are grown. We have grandkids, great-grandkids. Maybe we don't have any kids. Uh, Lord, help us to be uh, that godly loved one that can uh, influence those lives and just because may we have a, a kid that's grown help us to keep living right because we know that the, the choices that we make uh, have a huge influence on our kids no matter what their ages are God I pray for uh, each person here is in the, the situation in which they find themselves. Uh, lift those things up to you and, and ask that you would do your will. God, again, we pray for wisdom. And we pray that you would uh, help us all as we just do the best we can to make godly choices. In imperfect situations, with imperfect knowledge, and imperfect people, Help us to do things that please you as best as we know how. In Jesus' name, amen.